Okay, welcome everyone to the Peace Alliance Department of Peacebuilding campaign call and this special series in September in honor of International Day of Peace, where we have four Wednesdays uh, reviewing some of the videos and the speakers that we had last year around advocacy days and International Day of Peace and just furthering the conversation because I think at least a few of us, if not many of us, um, really wanted to continue the conversation, uh, but we had so much content, six hours of content, and it's up on YouTube for you to view if you like, um, that we didn't have as much time as we might like to discuss some of the key points and some of the talks. So that's what we're going to do tonight, and we're featuring one speaker each of these four Wednesdays, first four Wednesdays in September, and then that leads us into advocacy days where we're hoping to have dozens of appointments with people scheduling uh, with their members of Congress and staff uh, the week of September 27th. I believe that's the, yes, that's the Monday. So, or before, whenever they can make it. Um, so after we have a discussion, we'll reserve at least a few minutes at the end of the call to see what questions people might have about participating in advocacy days. So let us do just a very brief round of check-ins. Just say your name, where you're from, and um, just how what you feel briefly within 30 seconds or less about the Department of Peace legislation or campaign. Uh, Beth, I think you were the first one on. Why don't you start? Uh, I feel excited about... Uh, getting a Department of Peace because it'll be a way of cleaning up uh, what's going on right now, uh, you know, such as the violence that's going on locally, uh, statewide, worldwide, et cetera. Okay, thank you, yeah. Fernando, you were on next. Yes, hi everyone. Um, I'm Fernando Andrade. I'm in Georgia, and I believe we have we are on the right path to make a difference with the Department of Peace. Uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, continue making changes. I think we are not too far, or we are better than what we were a couple of years ago. Yeah, thank you. I think I'll just say hi from Chicagoland. And of course, I'm on the Department of Peace Building Committee with a couple of other people on the call here tonight as well, and others that we hope will be joining us soon. Um, and I, yeah, just feel like this is the right path to continue work. And I, I remind myself of Peace Pilgrim quite often. Um, if you haven't heard of her, Google her. She was uh, active around in the 50s, and she was always advocating for a Secretary of Peace at the cabinet level. So I, I love that we're advancing, even though it may feel like we're advancing slowly, we're, we're carrying on the work of many um, that have come before us. I think, Laura, you were probably on next. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Laura from Northwestern Pennsylvania, up near Erie. This is otherwise known as the Pennsylvania Wilds. I live in the middle of a national forest. <laughs> and uh, I am excited about the 
Department of Peacebuilding legislation. I think I would love to see it signed into law in the next five to 10 years and putting a lot of hope and vision into that. And uh, I think if the bill does get signed into law, it will just radically transform our country all for the better and uh, make it possible for people to really uh, live their potential and find more happiness and freedom in life. Great, thank you. Wajida, uh, did I say that right? Yeah, uh -huh. okay. I'm Wajida yeah. Rob from Maryland, suburban Maryland. And um, I'm relatively new to the group. I think this is my second meeting. But um, I believe it's very important to go about um, conflicts um, in a peaceful way uh, because there's uh, so much misery um, as a result of uh, violence and war you know, all over the world. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, Deborah, would you like to unmute yourself and say hello? And maybe we'll hear from Kathy really quickly while you're doing that. Sometimes Deborah um, is tending to some things at home and can only speak at certain times. So we'll, I'll watch for her uh, phone to be unmuted and we'll go ahead. All right, Kathy. Yes, yeah, so um, I'm Kathy from Houston, Texas. I have to smile when I say that because I know what everybody thinks about Texas. Um, and I was originally attracted to the Department of Peace bill. It was Department of Peace at that time. I was blown away when I read it. It's just all encompassing and magical as far as I'm concerned. And I think that the, what I like most is the focus on personal peace because unless we have personal peace, none of this other stuff is going to happen. So. So yeah, I like that it addresses all areas of, of peacemaking beginning with, uh, with us, so yeah. Great, thanks. Okay, Deborah is unmuted. Hello, this is Deborah in uh, suburban Atlanta. And oh, it's, yeah, this is a time, well, I'll just say that um, I've been doing this since the well, Department of Peace Building Advocacy since 2005, and I don't know when it's going to pass, and when it does, I don't know if it's going to be complete, and I don't, I don't expect a, a revolution. I hope for it will spawn an evolution, so Thank you. that's, that's my what I think. Yeah. Either way, I'll take anything. <laughs> Jana, <laughs> you like to say to us. Well, I think it's time. And I really appreciated that Dan Khan said that the Homeland Security was introduced for 15 years and then uh, and then it passed very quickly when the time was ripe. And I think the Department of Peace Building, I think it's time. And, uh, and necessary. And, um, and Peace Pilgrim walked until 1981. And so she walked all through the Vietnam War, not just the Korean War. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did span a long time, but I wasn't sure when, but I remember it was going back to the 50s when she started walking. Okay, great. All right, so then we'll turn to Fernando. Um, uh, Fernando's been- Can we get Beth? Yeah, we, I think we, we started out with Beth because she was on the oh. first, yeah. But thanks for checking. Yeah, I, I never know. I can yeah, just- Yeah, thanks for asking. You, you were breaking up, Karen, I'm sorry. Ah, um, yeah, so Fernando will start us out with the takeaways from listening to uh, the video that we uh, earmarked for tonight's session. And uh, again, it was optional for you to listen to it ahead of time, but we, if you didn't listen to it yet, we do encourage you to listen to it after the fact, and hopefully the conversation will spur some curiosity to, to listen to the whole thing as well. So Fernando, I'll let you introduce your segment. And yes, uh, I, I was, uh, I did hear and listen to Asin Camisa in reference to uh, his son' death. Uh, he got killed by a 20-year-old, by a 14-year-old. His son was a, a university student with a lot of dreams. And, and then what I took away from the whole video is it's amazing the power that a father had to have in order to forgive the, the person who killed his son and create a relationship with that person and, and, his, and his way of thinking is that at the moment that you shoot a gun, there are two victims at, and on that, at that moment, the person who get killed and the person who shot that gun, uh, because it affect everyone, affect the family of the person, the victim, and also the affect the family of the perpetrator. Uh, it's kind of similar to the fact that, for example, some people don't believe in the medicine, they don't believe in vaccination, don't believe in what's going on right now, and. And, and they're not taking it without, because it's my decision. But unfortunately, that leaves consequences to those loved ones that are around and see their loved one dying. So it was something very, very uh, incredible to see the power that the uh, Asim has by forgiving this person, the Chahi's son, and that person uh, was in jail. I uh, was the first person, a sick, the minor, uh, just as a went to trial as, a, as an adult and was 14 years old. So he spent several years in jail. And recently, last year, he became free due to the work that uh, Asim did with his grandfather, with the uh, gunman grandfather who uh, together they work uh, in trying to get the, the young man out of jail. After 20 something years, uh, he finally came out and working in the same foundation that Kasim, Asim uh, founded together with this gentleman, uh, with the grandfather of that child. They work together now that Young man, I mean, he's 30 something now, uh, is 
member of this foundation where he's doing public speaking about the violence on the street and violence of gang members participating in gangs and, and why he uh, became part of it. And, and also they are working on restorative Fernando, you have frozen. I can see everybody else. We have a system that is punitive and more animosity. I'm sorry? You froze for a little while. I think everybody else was still, oh, moved, but you had your screen froze. Oh, I'm sorry. No and, and fortunately, the adversarial judicial system that we have uh, create more animosity among those affected by the, by the process. I've been in the judicial system as an interpreter for 20 years and I have seen it. Uh, and also I've been divorced myself a few times. So it's unfortunate, even though you have the intention to do things in an amicable way, the process uh, separate you and, and put you in each end of the corners, preventing you from communicating, trying to bridge the gap. And, and find forgiveness to each other. So uh, what Asim is doing and is uh, commendable is the fact that he's looking and promoting restorative justice, which is something that um, I believe myself. I have been working several years with uh, as an interpreter and also as a mentor in the juvenile system and now as a mediator. Uh, there are many young kids that get in the judicial system and they get criminalized uh, at an early age and that definitely put them on a box and they, they can no longer find, it makes it difficult for them to feel part of the society. And then here we have the gangs, they embrace them, offer them a teamwork, offer them a, an identity and, and we lose those kids to a gang rather than, than having it admitted into a society and forgiving their, their, their whatever they're wrong they did. And, and they don't have the opportunity to make the wrong right. And, and we, by doing that, we are building a resentment. And, and yeah, those young kids are very impressionable so the resentment, it keeps growing and growing and the gap keeps getting bigger and bigger. So that's what I call structural violence. The system is uh, structural, the structural violence that we have in the system. And, and it is not made out to, to create peace or to promote peace. To the contrary, a person they get divorced uh, is very contentious sometimes and, and those persons, after being in love for once, now they hate the cats, they cannot see each other. Uh, what Asim is doing with this program that he has in the foundation, foundation yeah, is talking to people, promoting peace, promoting meditation, promoting restorative justice. It's part of the peace that we are working on together ourselves. Um, and we need it. We need it at the local level and we need it at the state level. 
and we need it at the national level, and we need it at, at the international level. Unfortunately, I believe that this is my personal opinion, the, by we going out of those countries with an imperialistic ideal and imposing our ideal of democracy, instead of allowing all those other countries to come up with their own version based on their own culture, because we cannot go to other places, not understanding the culture, promoting our own ideals mm -hmm. of democracy. So I believe in the Department of Peace Building. Uh, is that what we had to do? Restorative relationship with everyone. And, and um, we have been having that imperialistic mentality where we go to other countries, we impose our agenda and whatever we want to get from that country, whatever it is, resources that that country has, we extract them, we put some money into a group and everybody else had to line up and give us whatever they have. Uh, and that built animosity on those little towns and those little young guys or teenagers, they grow up and that animosity keep building up and end up hating the United States rather than helping us or promoting our culture in a good way. Uh, and that's, my, that's what I think. And I, I, I have experimented that myself. Um, I'm originally from Chile, a country that I believe uh, is now is a developed country, but we were a third world country for many years. And now we are working together relationship between Chile and the United States is to the point that a person who is a professional there can come over and practice here now before they couldn't, even though the education level is, is the same or better some, in some areas than what we have here. The same thing with countries in Europe, you have countries, people are, have their degrees, and just because the language is, is, a, is a barrier, uh, we put them in a box, like ignorance, and like they don't work. And even though they have a doctor degree, a, a professor degree, or, or engineer degrees, I have seen them myself with my own eyes. People, they are engineers, very smart people, but because the fact they don't speak the language, they are put in a box, and they had to work labor. And what happened, what that does is build animosity. And we had to realize that when we behave that way, we are eliminating the opportunity of building bridges. And, and listening to Asim and the grandfather of the young man, the gunman that killed his son, uh, they build this organization and that's what they're doing, building bridges, promoting meditation. And um, that was my takeaway, learning forgiveness. It is hard. It is hard. Uh, I said that myself uh, because I've been on that part where I have been hurt. And it's not easy thing to do to forgive those that hurt you, but 
if you turn things around and you start looking at what am I gaining with that energy that I'm putting in being negative, where I can reverse that and I have a lot more to gain by being focusing on the positive. So I'm working on that myself. I have done it and uh, it works. I've been, fortunately, I've been blessed and very successful in moving forward and trying to make a difference. And um, it was a great lesson to listen to, to see the video, listen to a scene. And also, oops, excuse that, my dog. And listening to, uh, and also I had the opportunity to listen to a presentation the Asim did at, at TED, you know, the TED uh, group. He was speaking there and it was amazing, amazing. I'm gonna be honest, I, I, I was crying by the end of the, the whole presentation. It was very emotional. And, uh, and I'm not afraid to, to say it like it is. I'm in touch with my feelings. So uh, I just wanna share that with you ladies and um, very, very interesting. We have a lot, of, a lot to change. And just like we are spending so much energy in guns and, and trying to build other countries where we are here having a lot of needs ourselves in our country. And so, we have a lot of issues with gangs here, right here in the country. So uh, I think that we need to be a bridges. Bridges is the only way to connect with each other and, and build peace. And, and the Department of Peace Building to me is very close to my heart. I didn't think it was gonna be, I was gonna get so close to that Karen brought me into it. <laughs> and um, and uh, I believe it. I was I'm a former military guy myself. I'm I'm a former uh, special forces myself. So I know about violence. I know about all those things the military people are trained to do. And you have to keep in mind, a military person, it is not trained to save life. A military person is trained to kill. That's what the military person is trained. Uh, now they learn several skills along with the, with those who can save somebody's life, but uh, the pri uh, primary goal is to kill. So, and we have the largest, we are the largest employers. Uh, the, the defense department is the largest, largest employer of the, of the, in the world, one of the largest employers in the world. So we need to kind of try not to use all that much money and energy on that and see if we can use in creating peace. It's a lot less expensive to promote peace than, than promoting war. So uh, basically that will end my presentation, my conversation, and I leave it open to all of you. Great. Thank you, Fernando. Yeah, it's a it's a good point that uh, Azim could have very easily uh, kept that young man in a box as a murderer of his son and never really looked at him as a person. Um, and and somehow, as he says, through his grief, he did. And uh, and um, 
has done a lot of great work touching, I think, millions of people at this point in his talks and so forth. And, and he's, he spoke at one of the very first, if not the first, um, Peace Alliance conference. Well, I think there were two before the one I went to. Um, very powerful, talking about nothing is more important than a, a Department of Peace building. So I'll, I'll let anybody else who, um, one of the points that Fernando raised or something else, if you watch the video or are familiar with Azim's work um, and how he talks about a Department of Peace in that, is there any um, thing that stands out for anybody that they'd like to continue the conversation about? You can wave or raise your hand. Um, Conceta, good to see you. We had a couple people join and um, Michalina, is that how you pronounce that? Yes. Yes. Welcome to the call. And uh, yeah, so it, you missed the very beginning introduction, but Fernando was kind of leading us with some um, good takeaways from Azim Kamisa's talk um, from September of 2020 that uh, is on a link to the email about this call if you want to re-listen to it if you haven't already. Mm. And, um, and, and now we'll mm. continue on. And Sada, I muted you if you want to unmute and speak. It's, a, I believe it's star six to unmute yourself. There was some background noise coming from your phone. From where you are. Or it looks like, yeah, actually, you're not on a phone. You're on there. But you know how to unmute, unmute yourself. OK, who would like to, to talk more? Laura, go ahead. Yeah, I was, well, I, I listened to um, Azim's presentation again. Uh, today or yesterday, I guess, and thought it was very powerful, of course, because it's so personal. And uh, Fernando, thank you for your presentation. You did a great job of summarizing what he said and also expanding on it. And I was just thinking back to last week's conversation when we were discussing uh, Marianne Williamson's presentation and she talked about, she made a very powerful statement about how um, we should look at human suffering as a national security risk. And I think it relates a lot to Azim's um, talk because, you know, there's suffering. He was seeing suffering on both sides of the victim and the perpetrator and you know to a certain extent or to a large extent human suffering is universal and so how do we look at that as a, a national security risk and uh, how the department of peace building can address that issue that marianne brought up and then is elaborated on in a very personal way by azim so I don't really have an answer other than it would be great if we could get the legislation passed as quickly as possible. But, you know, how do we get that message out to people and, you know, keep the momentum going, I guess, is the question that I have. Yeah. And I appreciate um, being a part of training in grade schools and high schools of restorative practices and processes and peace circles that the young people really get it really quickly when you mm -hmm. give them these tools and uh, having it be a policy in more and more schools. Uh, it's, you know, we're basically changing 
um, each generation to where it's, you know, building pieces a no brainer and they they'll experience it firsthand. So um, that's, that's part of it. Just like personal pieces is so much of a big part of us bringing around world peace and community peace and so forth. You can't have one without the other, <laughs> you know, I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh that said that we'll have world peace when everyone achieves inner peace. <laughs> um, yeah, because then, you know, there's no reason to fight, but that's the thing, the security risk, just like with this young man, he was, it was a gang initiation, right. And there were other gang members there and, uh, they just said, shoot him. And he did. That's what he had to do in that moment. It wasn't a thought, you know? Um, so yeah. So why are kids joining gangs? What, what needs aren't being met that they're joining gangs and, and yes, that's a security issue domestically. Um, yeah. Nancy, welcome to the call. Yes. Sorry. I'm late. Sorry. I wasn't able to get okay. on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, glad you could make it. Um, anybody else, including Nancy or the new people on the call, want to add more? Kathy, go ahead. Well, I'll just uh, mention something about what Fernando said about the military being trained to kill. The pictures of the crisis, the refugee crisis in Afghanistan with uh, the soldiers and the soldiers holding babies. One of One of the pictures was a soldier laying back on on like a hospital bed and a little girl up to his heart and she would not if she left him she would start crying uncontrollably and he he was the only one that she would calm down with so he held her for hours slept with her so i can see our military being used for that being a peace army instead of you know, uh, invaders and conquerors. So, so, yeah, I appreciate your your point about that, Fernando. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, the military people have so many skills from engineering to, you know, sharpshooter and, and medicine, medical emergency. I, Personally, I was trained to even deliver a baby in, in the Navy. So, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, they, they, we are using only with one uh, uh, goal and is, that's what we need to use our energy, our knowledge and experiences uh, as to help and support other countries. Like right now, for example, uh, I believe the United States it will help as a subsidize an oil company here with millions and billions for them to extract oil. And if we can use the same amount of money or maybe a lot less to help those countries in South America and the backyard of the United States, other countries in America, in Latin America, Central America, they made some vulnerable to enemies like Russia, Korea. Uh, help them to promote and explore their own resources, just like we do here with the farmers. A small amount of money to those countries to help them to develop, to eliminate the, the poverty and hunger in those countries. It will help us to have less migration. We won't have that vacuum that we have right now, those countries running from Guatemala, Honduras, 
uh, running from abuses in Colombia, Venezuela, into the United States or any other country, increasing the poverty. So, and by doing that, by not doing that, helping those countries, we are creating a vacuum and bringing those people over here because everybody wants to succeed. Everybody wants an opportunity, better life. So I think we need to change our focus and the economy, economically, military, in the military way, and, and try to do things like that. Like right now, Mexico is having a huge earthquake, 7.0 on uh, the Kilo Richter. That's huge. In Chile, we had those 8.0. That was the largest, the highest that we had in Chile a few years ago, 2017. We can send people there to help. And by helping them, we are helping ourselves. So in things like that, but again, we have to change our focus of war and the Department of Peace building, uh, the Department of Peace will help. And we have professional dedicated to peace and negotiation rather mm -hmm. than intelligence and military uh, mentality. So that's what I believe we need to work in the military academy, bringing more peace builder, peacemaker to show how to the officer, how to work on that mentality mm -hmm. negotiation. So yeah. that's- And that, that goes back to, what Marianne brought up again too, talking about the Peace Academy to have another exactly. way to serve your country um, mm -hmm. with peace building techniques and services. Um, exactly. People have a choice on what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. And it reminded me when you were speaking, when you talked about um, the victims on both sides of the gun barrel, as Azim said, and, mm -hmm. and that the military are trained to kill um, mm -hmm. that taking another life is traumatic no matter the circumstances mm -hmm. you know obviously if you're a gang member or um you know depending on your training and so forth you're desensitized to some extent about human life mm -hmm. but it it still leaves a very deep impact and so it might take some digging before you get to the emotions of taking a life and even if it's your job as a military person that's why so many people have post-traumatic stress after the military even though it was their job and they did their job well and exactly they didn't make any mistakes and kill the wrong people or anything else um, it's still traumatic to take another human life um, and for some people to take any life, you know, um, right. you know, even for animals and so forth. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's um, something adding, to be continue. Yes, yeah. and adding to that, for example, just a military guy, or you go out, do your job, but there's always something unexpected in what is called collateral damage. Then you have relatives, family, children, uh, properties, uh, things that, that get destroyed as the collateral damage uh, in order to achieve a goal. So in war, in, it always, it's not, it's always destruction, that's mostly. And they destruct a, a country for generations. Right, right, lots of cleanup, very costly aftermath you know, as opposed to peace building that doesn't have a costly aftermath. 
um, it might take longer to resolve something instead of just stopping the person, but it, it doesn't have the costly aftermath. I want to see if we can hear from anybody we haven't heard from yet. Anybody else would like to say anything? Raise your hand or begin speaking. I appreciated uh, Kathy's comment, and I would like to say that the military is the largest polluter, but if all the militaries in the world start cleaning up the oceans, the air, the earth, and distributing food with the wonderful um, transportation and organization uh, technology uh, to the hungry, and then uh, the military can have a wonderful role in healing the planet. Um, cost is never a good argument because they're really just concerned about making money. So there has to be a way where it can be lucrative to um, not kill, uh, where we can take care of everyone's needs. And like Gandhi said, maybe not everybody's greeds, but everybody's needs. Uh, and I'm trying to share a link here to the Dorje Kasum, to the Buddhist army that Chogyam Trumpa created with such a vision. He said that when the army watches by the Dorje Kasung and everybody smiles, uh, that will be the that will be when we've arrived. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Good, good quotes and words. And thank you, Jana, again for putting um, links in the chat box. Just want to bring that to people's attention who have who are online um, early on in the call. Uh, Jana added a link for support for the DOP from Robert um, Thurman, and there's a video, a Vimeo video there. And again, if you don't know how to save the chat, if you're, you can't do it, of course, from a phone, but down in the chat box where there's uh, three dots that says more, if you click on those, there's a way it, at the top, it says save chat and it'll save that to your computer. So you can go back and look at those things later. All right, Nancy, did you wanna say something? Um, maybe you've already brought this up, but so many people who do go into the military go in for really um, reasons that they want to help people, that they want to help humanity. And once they get in, that is usually when they get disillusioned, saying that really it's focused on killing people. And um, I, I don't know, I remember reading uh, comments from from military folks who were reassigned during one of the huge tsunamis and helping people there and saying that that was the best thing they ever did in their lives. And uh, the, the Peace Poll people in, uh, who, who were in uh, Afghanistan, um, having military folks help them uh, plant the peace poles there, um, they were saying how that's what they really wish they could be doing. Hmm. Reminds me of the saying, you are not ever given a wish without also being given the power to make it true. Mm -hmm. See if they can work on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyone else? We're, we're, we've just got about 15 minutes left in the call, but we could we could talk for a few more minutes before we transition to uh, advocacy days discussion, or we could transition now. So speak now if you'd like.
I could do. I, um, I don't know if you do advocacy days um, virtually. Yes, yes, it's virtually. Again. Okay. Yeah. So we're not going to DC. Right. Too dangerous. Yep, my you want to be here. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had tried to ask that, but I had been muted and I tried getting dialing four six and I, you know, and I said, oh, I give up. <laughs> uh, that's what I wondered if you came back on another line here. It's It's star six. Uh, the star symbol and six on your phone if if that star and, and six okay yeah. i had forgotten yeah so that's how you mute and then unmute yourself it's like a toggle okay button. okay i'll remember okay <laughs> all right anyone else last call for more discussion Okay. All right. Nancy, do you want to start talking about advocacy days then? Advocacy days. Yes. Um, as I think most of you know, we'll be doing this virtually uh, during the last week of September. We're um, in the process of setting up virtual congressional meetings. Um, right now we have three confirmed meetings, and if anybody wants to participate in those meetings, please let me know so we can get the, uh, the links out to you. The first one will be with Congressman, Congresswoman Barbara Lee and her legislative director, and um, they've requested a list ahead of time of folks who plan to participate. So please um, email me if you wanna be part of the um, part of the group who's there. It'd be great to have a broad showing from all over the place. Um, <laughs> so we already, we already have probably about eight people who, are, uh, who said they wanna be part of it, but it's a, it's a conference call, not a Zoom with Barbara Lee. And um, so as many as we want. And if you have a question for her, please um, email that to me. And uh, they would, they want to get the questions ahead of time too. And then uh, Laura has confirmed meetings with uh, two folks from Pennsylvania. Um, so on Tuesday, we have uh, Dwight Evans, who's at one o'clock on um, Eastern time and Thursday, one o'clock Eastern time is Susan Wild. Um, so same thing, if you want to participate, uh, let us know and we'll send you the Zoom link for that. And um, I think I forgot to say Barbara Lee is Monday at one, one o'clock Eastern time. And um, if any of you are in the process of setting up meetings and have, uh, you know, are able to get those meetings, let us know so we can get the word out. And I want to thank, um, are you still on the call, Seta? Yes, you are. Um, so in the process of trying to schedule meetings, um, Seta's, uh, Seta contacted uh, Congresswoman Robin Kelly from Illinois, who was a co-sponsor in the past. And um, she's now signed back on to the bill. I guess she didn't want to meet with us. Is that what it was, Sutta? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
anyway, in any case, our, our goal really was to get get uh, her on the bill. And so that's pretty exciting. So we, we have 24 people right now, um, members of Congress. And what else? Um, in the e-blasts, we've been sending out about these calls. We also have a section where you can um, go to Zoom links on training for how to set up a call or how to conduct a, a meeting. And uh, what else do I need to say? Um, oh, I just thought just, I think we've talked about it. I'm not sure if we've talked about it on these calls, but um, however mm -hmm. your member of Congress or staffer wants to connect, you know, like they might want to use their conference number or they might want to, or if you have a Zoom account and you want to use it, um, or if you'd like to use our Zoom account, then just let us know so that we don't schedule any calls at the same time. But uh, yeah, so it can be anyway. So we're just leaving that up to each person and offering the Zoom account from us. And we've got a couple of Zoom accounts that we can work from if we do have one conflict or so, but um, use your own, their technology, your technology or the Peace Alliance's technology, whatever works. And um, broadly speaking on the meetings, um, oh, the other thing, Laura, Laura um, just finished a, um, a sheet of other bills that we're endorsing. And so we'll get that up on the um, website and get that out to people so you can let your um, Congress people know the other kinds of legislation we're endorsing during this time. Um, so thank you, Laura, for doing that. <laughs> that was that was a big help. Did yeah, you want to make a change that based on Karen's feedback? Make say that again. Did you want to make another change to it based on Karen's feedback? Oh, I didn't hear what Karen's feedback was. Yeah, for That's the an email, we can we can do that offline. We don't need to okay. Call. Okay, yeah, we can we can deal with that. Um, and then generally speaking, the way you structure a meeting is, um, you know, you um, welcome and introduce everybody and then whoever you're meeting with, whether it's a congressional aide or the congressperson, uh, you wanna be sure and introduce them and ask them about their background and what brought them to um, the position they're at right now. Um, big important part is to thank the congressperson uh, for any um, peace building or um, really anything that strikes you, any of their legislation that they're uh, working on. And then um, just have a maybe a short round with people saying why, why a Department of Peace Building is important to them. And then uh, leave the main part of the, of the call, um, leave time for discussion. So you will have a give and take with the congressperson or the congressional aide um, and then at the end, be sure and ask. <laughs> so the ask would be for them to sponsor, co-sponsor the Department of Peace Building Act and then um, to co-sponsor any of the bills that are on our list that we're sending. So, um, and I'm guessing a lot of people will already be co-sponsors of those bills, but um, if they aren't, you know, that's a way to, another way to reach out. Um, 
what else, what am I forgetting as far as structuring a meeting? Yeah, and we've got a sample agenda too. And it, in, in the training call that where the link is on the emails, you can, it's gone over there, but it, it's also, um, I think under resources on the Peace Alliance website generally, uh, there's the, a sample meeting agenda for meeting with members of Congress. So if you wanted some kind of a cheat sheet to help you through it, that's, that's available as well. Yes, Laura? Uh, for the asking them for to co-sponsor the other legislative priorities, we didn't do that last year. So this year, our, uh, like if they did say, yes, we would, how are we following up with them to make sure that they contact the right offices and how do they contact and all that kind of stuff like we would with the Department of Peace Building bill? I would say um, just ask them, well, they know how to do this, but ask them to, con uh, to contact the legislative director or the staff in the congressperson's office who is the sponsor of that bill. Okay, so just make an ask and then if they say they would like to then they're kind of on their own as far as you know yeah and this is actually kind of second nature to them this is this is what they do all the time okay they, it's know, just how to, that with the they know how to find the people but we just always make it that much easier for them oh, okay okay this. yeah <laughs> okay. i didn't know if we would like hand hold them the way that we do with the peace building bill um, yeah, I mean, I suppose if we had infinite resources, we could do that, but we don't. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, or you could say, if you need more information, let me know, but they usually wouldn't. They, so they just, know. if they say yes, just say they can follow the standard procedure to get signed up as a co-sponsor for those bills. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. And what I've seen in the past is they usually know off the top of their head, they'll go down the list and say they're already on this one, this one, this one, and that one. Okay. And uh, and that they'll take a look at the other ones. Yeah. Okay. So, especially if you're meeting with the legislative aid as opposed to a different type of staffer. Okay. They're usually pretty aware of what the person has signed on to already. Okay. Or what and, they're talking about, yeah. And two of the things we have on that list are the truth and healing commissions, truth and racial healing commissions um, that we've been talking about in our other group a lot so um yeah so there's that um yeah it's actually fun you guys so um <laughs> you have to be a little persistent maybe a little crazy but it's fun and um it, it's also fun um to have as many people on the call because it brings so many different perspectives um but you, you know, we'll each take our cue from whoever set up the call. That person will be the lead on the on the conference call. And um, was it Lynn McMullen? Was it Dot Maver? I don't know. Karen, you'll have to correct me. But they, they, they always the thing about going for the connection rather than the convincing. Yeah, that was um, that was Dot. Yeah, that was Dot. So it's really um, very important to try to build a relationship with the folks in the congressional offices. And it pays, it pays off, really, I think. Um, it, if, if we didn't have a good relationship with Barbara Lee's office, then a lot of stuff wouldn't be happening that is happening. 
or if, uh, if Laura hadn't connected with these offices in the past uh, that have confirmed their, um, their meetings, um, they might not have. Um, or, you know, if we hadn't spent time in Washington, D.C. visiting all these offices. So everything builds on everything else. Yeah. And Seta, for the example in Illinois, where the uh, Robin Kelly just signed on again, you know, she advocated for years, practically since she was first a congresswoman before she finally signed on. Um, and it was actually right before a fundraiser of hers that Barbara Lee was going to be attending. That so she got on before. <laughs> so we got to celebrate. Oh, wonderful! At that fundraiser right. for her. Um, right. Yeah. So it was a doubly wonderful event. Yeah, so you just never know what the the timing and try to tie something to the timing for them if you can about getting on before something. Um, we just have like two minutes left, but I just want to see if anybody had any kind of a burning question about advocacy days that we maybe. Yes, I do. Okay. This is Beth, and I'm in Con Congresswoman McCollum's district, and I'd like to see how she. She's doing on this uh, question of a Department of Peace. Yeah. Okay. I think I set up the meeting for you last year, Beth. You want me to go ahead and? Do oh, okay. And I and I know that uh, Omar is into it. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll check into that as well. Um, she's very progressive with three other women that, as you know, are known as the squad. Yeah. So um, Ilhan, Ilhan Omar is already a co-sponsor. Okay. And, oh, good. And Betty McCollum has been in the past, but she sure has been resisting us in the last 10 years <laughs> or something like that. She's what? She has resisted us in the last, uh, I don't know, eight or 10 years. Yeah, we've we've met with her staff and they've been very open to it, but it, we, we yeah. haven't seen any shift for her signing back on. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So mm, we okay. can talk off, offline about that, Beth. Anybody else? Anything burning okay. about advocacy days that you'd like to get in before we end the call or get to move into our quote? All right. And I just wanted to make sure that I didn't catch you in the middle of a thought or anything. Did I, Nancy, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Oh, I always have deep thoughts. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's such a burden. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we might uh, close with the quote from Azim Kamisa from his talk that we have included on our Department of Peace Building page. So did you have anything else before I, I close with that? Well, great minds. That was a quote I was thinking of, yes. <laughs> great minds, okay. So Azim- How many are in, in Congress are on uh, for the Department of Peace? There are tw currently 24 co-sponsors. 24 co-sponsors, good. Mm -hmm. Up from 21, just like a month or so ago, right? Or a couple months ago? Yeah. 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 So, so it's 24 then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this kind of slowly. 
Sustained goodwill creates friendship. Sustained friendship creates trust. Sustained trust creates empathy. Sustained empathy creates compassion. And sustained compassion creates peace. Those were some special words for us from Azim Kamisa. And I'm going to close the recording.